They're coming to get you, Barbara. They're coming for you, Barbara. You are mine now. You belong to me. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. the crossover all right hello and welcome to attack of the crossover a dimension 90 mutation discussing lower budget films of the 90s we are the five-sided fistagon where the movie budgets are rock bottom and we blame everything on el nino El Nino, which in yeah. Spanish means the Nino. <laughs> Representing the real 90 crew, we have Eric, the 8-bit hunter. Hello, hello. Oh, oh! Nick, Red Legs Prince. Oh, hey, hello. A- and Ricky Gory. And then uh, then we have some idiots from uh, Dimension Oh, wait, 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 what was my nickname? Ricky Gory. Oh. Hole. Oh. Oh. You gave them like a whole extra nickname. I was like like Ricky the something galore. Like that's so I'm sorry. I would have oh. acted more and Ricky appreciative. Galore. This is a yeah. children's show. Oh, okay. It's a children's <laughs> show. <laughs> this is the first episode where we cross over and we review a B movie from the nineties decade. This episode, we will be reviewing the 1997 Canadian awesome sauce film, The Cube, not The, just Cube. Hey. Hey. Hey, awesome sauce, hey. Oh, Cube. Cube, eh? Now, Cube premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival actually September 9th, 1997. So, happy 17th anniversary, Cube. Are you serious? That is awesome. It's crazy. Uncanny. That is crazy. Alright. Now Happy uh, birthday. It can it can smoke or wait me no. Eighteen's when you can smoke. It's only seventeen. It can just drive and get a hand job. It can sneak it from its (laughs) older friends. (laughs) Alright. Um just real quick synapse here. It's directed and partially written by Vincenzo Natali. And uh, there's only like the seven people in the that. whole movie, so I'm going to list all the uh, characters. Nicole DeBoer plays Levin, or Levin, Levin. Nikki Gudugin, I'm going to butcher these names, is Dr. Holloway. David <laughs> Hewlett is Worth. Andrew Miller, Kazan. Uh, Julian Richings is the guy that dies at the beginning. <laughs> he had a name, I don't care. Wayne Robson is Ren, and Maurice Dean Wint as Quentin. Uh, had a roughly a budget of three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Money well spent. Yes, very very well spent. And uh, there's some really cool stuff online about you know how they built the set, what they did, and the way it was filmed, which we should discuss here uh, before we. Open the floodgates. Let me read the uh, storyline listed on IMDb. 
Six different people, each from a very different walk of life, awaken to find themselves inside a giant cube with thousands of possible rooms. Each has a skill that becomes clear when they must band together to get out. A cop, a math whiz, a building designer, a doctor, an escape master, and a disabled man. A each jock, plays a, a princess. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were doing breakfast club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Each plays a part in their thrilling quest to find answers as to why they've been imprisoned. I would say that's fairly accurate. Would you guys agree? Yep. Yeah, why not? I concur. A few flaws. Uh, the disabled man, I mean, he's he's mentally An handicapped. Savant. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I actually like, like the term. term. Well, I like disabled. Um, I mean, this is something we'll bring up later that this movie spawned some sequels. The third one being a prequel where, unfortunately, they don't tie it. It's supposed to, You're supposed to believe that the guy who is one of the monitors watching the people in the cube, like it's a job he has, like a 9 to 5, um, was dropped in there and had a lobotomy, and he is Kazan, or Kazan yeah. or whatever. But I, they, I prefer the other one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I prefer him to be an idiot savant. Um, yes, just for multiple reasons. I mean, they even call him Rain Man at one time. <laughs> it's one of the references, many references, apparently, in this movie. Right, and, and there are no scars showing that he would have had a lobotomy. You know, I mean, I think what they go through the eyelid, I believe. Now, Doctor Science. Yeah, no, you you got that right. They go right in through the uh, kind of the tear duct region, right up in that uh, that just, frontal lobe and. Uh, kind of kind of blend up some stuff in there. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the technical term, blend up? Yeah. 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 It's called uh, the, the Harlem Bulls. Shake, I believe. The Harlem Shake. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a video that went viral for a while, the Harlem Shaves. And brainwashed the masses. Yeah. Um, what's so cool about this movie, cool about this movie as well, the inspiration to the film, which I watched today. I sent an email to you guys. I don't know if you got a chance to watch it. If you didn't, you should still go back and watch him just because it's kind of cool. One of them is called The Cube, which is a Jim Henson production from 1969. I believe it was on NBC. It was some sort of experimental television stunt that uh, I'd finished it about an hour ago, and I love it. I mean, I think somebody should redo it as a stage play. It actually that's, has. Um, that's what it felt they like mounted it in Germany. Um, I looked on I, uh, sorry Wikipedia, and it's been remounted a couple times in Germany. It was um, rewritten and adapted. It was called Cubus. Um, it's called but, yeah, Scheiße. And, and they even mentioned Scheiße Cuban. Um, <laughs> Cuban has, uh, but they talk about within the production that it was like they did a lot of times in the boom of television was it was a televised play. So I think all of the effects, I don't think there was any editing. Okay. And that, except I think the editing occurred while they were filming. So it was like a live stage play, but you know, you were getting well, live, you know, there was no, there had it to was be basically editing. recording a stage play. There was at times yeah, when there, he was in front of a green screen and stuff, so there was some post production work on that. Oh, there was tons. Well, there no, was tons oh, of in green the cube, screen, yes. But you yeah. don't need you don't necessarily need to do post production for green screen work because I mean a weatherman is filmed live in front of a green screen and there's no post production. It's yeah. while you're filming it. Yeah, obviously, if they were to redo it on a stage, you know, in front of a live audience, there would have to be some 
you know, artistic uh, decisions made where they change some stuff around. But I think it could be done, I mean, and done well, even the right circumstances. I see a lot of similarities between that and the, the movie we watched, the 97 version, but I don't think the existentialism is as prevalent or is the key story as it is in the the Jim Henson yeah. version. I think this I think the new one's more character development and more science fiction feel. Yeah, this one the the cube to me it seems like cube the 97 borrowed like kind of the pacing of the cube, Jim Henson's the cube. Sure. And a lot of it had it seemed like more in the cube which relates to uh, the 97 version is the characters did a lot of like reflection and searching within themselves. There was a lot of those times where it was no dialogue and it was just montages of them just kind of thinking and trying to figure out yes. where everything is. And, and the same, the lead character in the cube did the exact same thing where there was a lot of times where it was just the camera was just focused on him and he's just kind of staring off trying to figure, make sense of it all. Although it was very fast-paced, I thought. The the Cube, Jim Henson's. Because it, it was constantly people going in and out, right. which I liked. I yeah. liked that there wasn't a lot of just like, okay, I'm standing here in a room. Um, I thought it was really cool to see them constantly bring people in and out and keep him in the room at the same time. Whereas, like, they used a physical gag where, you know, he tricked him. You know, the butler guy or whatever tricks him into looking the other way and shuts the door. And then he reinforces the idea that, no, this is my door, not your door. So then he kind of just accepts that the other doors, all these doors that are opening and closing are not his door, and he's not allowed to use them in a way. I thought the kid on the tricycle was probably the creepiest part. Oh, that was, yeah, that was creepy. <laughs> never going to get out of here. You're never going to get out of here. You're never going to get out of here. <laughs> and the guys in the band, which was cool as yes. well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It was. It had a lot of cool punches, and it kept leaving you like, "Is he really going to get out of the room this time?" Like, you know. And then the gorillas part that was cool. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put this um, because it's on YouTube. I'm going to put this on on at least uh, Dimension B site on in the in the post so that people can Great. watch it. So people can watch what we're referencing. Yeah. Uh, this came out in '69, and to me, if anyone is familiar or fans of the 60s television series The Prisoner with Patrick McGowan. Um, I think, I mean, it's the sign of the times. The Prisoner was done because Patrick McGowan had been famous for playing Danger Man and even more famously Secret Agent Man. And the BBC television said, we want you to keep on playing the Secret Agent character. And he said, no. But what I will do is I'll write a show about an ex-Secret Agent who is quitting the Bureau and on the day of his resignation goes home to pack and go on vacation but then is gassed in his house and wakes up on an island where he is just given a number and he finds out that other people on this island are ex-secret agents so they don't let you get out and the whole theme of that show is no matter what your prison cell is everyone's a prisoner it's just to what degree you want to look at it what was that show called the prisoner it's a great show it's it was two seasons long um, in British, so that's like only ten episodes a season, and Netflix. it was it was meant to only be ten epi- like twenty episodes. So it's great; it's got a great beginning, middle, and end. Is it on Netflix? Do you know? Um, probably not. You can check it. Um, you can buy the box set pretty decent price. I think around sixty bucks, 
which for a British TV show isn't too bad. But that's I got a lot of those feelings and a lot of philosophy and thoughts from Jim Henson's The Cube. And yeah. that's what um, I know you you were about to mention the other inspiration for the 97 Cube, and that was Twilight Zone, right? Yes, it was a season five episode called Five Characters in Search of an Exit, and that actually aired in 1961. And that is probably where they drew the um, individuals <clears throat> theme, where they, you know, because you have uh, six people starting off in Cube, uh, and in this you have five different, very different characters who have different beliefs as to why they are where they are, and it becomes a very uh, philosophical uh, type thing where you have these different mindsets or schools of thought even that these people are representing which in cube in retrospect um, I really um, got that uh, philosophical vibe where like these different people um, had these different beliefs not only as to why they're there but the meaning of why they're there you know the meaning of their existence in general uh, in this area, a sort of like almost like not necessarily a sensory deprivation exercise, but when you're injected into that environment and you're under you know that incredible amount of stress, you can really see the people start to uh, regress, you know, psychologically back into like primal, primal instincts almost, you know. Yeah, it becomes survival of the fittest for Quentin because that's kind of his station in life. But that was my big question to all of you is, um, do we think that they are all really in this cube or this apparatus that's built? Or is this a giant allegory for purgatory before getting into heaven and only the most pure of them can actually do it? You believe the film in the film cube, you're saying, correct? We're talking about the film cube now. Yeah, 97, the 97 sci-fi. Like, is this... Is this actually, are these six people in this apparatus and it's a science fiction movie and Kazan goes through the hallway and then he's meet by, he's met by like black ops and they just pop him in the back of the head with a sniper rifle or is the white light hallway, is this whole movie just an allegory for these characters being in purgatory and what their religious belief systems are? I mean, I, I would like to think that it's it's all science based, and this was a a psychological experiment to see, like Mike said, like how six characters how they regress back into if they all if it's survival of the fittest and they all kill each other, or if they all work together to try to get out. So I see it more of a psychological experiment, and there is a big brother watching. An important. Um evidence you know for that uh thought is the fact that they all have their niches which is Mm -hmm. which they learned throughout the movie uh you learn that uh, levin is a math student and this is uh you know different things you learn throughout the movie like uh, the boxes have uh these three sets of three digit numbers and certain rooms are armed with traps and uh <laughs> and it's great like so is she really good at math or is she just selling her cockiness so well she's like yeah this is what it means trap goes off kill somebody like oh you know what well, I, I, I think i was pressure. wrong 
<laughs> and also, how old is Levin supposed to be? Is she a high schooler? Yeah. To me, she looks I like... would say college. I would say, because yeah. that's like college math. Yeah, I would go with college. Yeah, but I would say you're, she's you're, definitely... You're led to believe that, like that to she knows. She's she's known a lot, been ahead of everybody in her class. So like a junior. But then is, <laughs> but then is it that creepy for Quentin to want to get up on? Well, he's not a very nice guy anyway so right right but he's throwing so he game right off the bat yeah like he goes in and saves her in a room that has no booby traps he's like oh no baby you stay there let me come get you <laughs> it's like well there's clearly no booby traps you just want to get up on that white girl so um should we do a little bit of of the you know the plot itself in order and and just kind of Let's stop at a point where we won't give too much away because this is a movie that I don't want to ruin for people. A lot of this shit no. I talk about. Is... Man, if you if you are if you are listening to this without having experienced Cube, stop listening right now. This is the point where you stop listening. Write down what the minute is and the whatever thing you're listening to, and come back to us and like we're gonna spoil shit because <laughs> Cube. Cube is worth buying. I mean, yeah, I wholeheartedly think that if you Sight have not unseen, seen it, just buy it. Just buy it. Just friggin' buy it. And and why haven't you bought it. it yet? What are you doing? What are you sitting here yeah. listening to us <laughs> bullshit? Why aren't you buying it? <laughs> but w- the mo- the movie itself starts very well. It's got a great hook. You go in, you meet this guy in a room, uh, and it's a solid colored box, and it's uh, it has six doors. You know, you have a door in the center of each wall, a door in the center of the floor, and a door in the center of the ceiling. And there's bars set up where you can climb up to the top, and it's it's structurally uh, squared and symmetric. And you find this uh, guy, uh, and he is climbing from one room into the next there, and each room is colored differently. And then you find out right away that he chose wrong. He, uh, <laughs> wrong, motherfucker. Then these traps, I really like. I mean, obviously, with a horror movie, which I would call this more of a psychological thriller, but yeah. in any kind of movie where you have body counts, the death scenes, like I always say, the the creativity of the death scene makes everything makes the. It's the, the pre credit. It's the pre credit scene, that cold opening scene. That so many movies, like you just said, like horror movies a lot of the times, or psychological thrillers like Psycho or Scream, they got to have that first kill in that scene and then credits roll. Yeah. This is one of the best that I've ever seen. You watch this and I'm like, I need oh, to see more. Shit. Yeah, it's it's very good. Uh, this the way that the way that he's killed is is like it, it, the first time I saw it, it blew me away because I had never even thought of the idea of the cube and everything. So immediately after he dies, they roll the, you know, they roll the credits and things like that. And then you come and you find, uh, I believe, is it Quentin coming into the room with worth? Worth is laying. Yeah. Uh, Worth is passed out and Quentin comes into the, finds his cell comes in and uh, immediately there's tension between the two. They're butting heads. Quentin, you find out quickly, he's a police officer or an ex-police officer. He's one of those uh, "I'm going to be the leader, even if I'm not the best one to lead" kind of guy. A huge chip on his shoulder. Uh, he is king shit of Turd Mountain. 
jackass and uh and eventually the characters start coming into the same room which i thought was kind of cool how they're all stumbling together not all of them but you know you you get uh then i believe levin comes in who's the younger girl the math whiz worth you don't find out what his um Purpose. reason for being in the movie and is until quite a bit and it spills out what his reason participation for being yeah why he's in there and i think that he's more of the guy to I, I think that his name is even symbolic worth uh i think that he's in there to let them know that hey this is this is something really serious and you mean nothing here you well actually anything um there's those parallels, but their names were actually named for uh, a real reason, is they are all names of prisons, of maximum security prisons. Really? Uh, Worth and Levin, when you combine that, that's Leavenworth. Oh, yeah. The prison. Um, St. Quentin. Um, Shit on Ren. Yeah, you. if you go through and you look at all of, the, all of their names, they're all maximum security prisons. Well, and what are go. they in? A giant maximum security prison. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But no, I mean you're right. They play a, it's a play on words too. For later when uh, Quentin's questioning Worth, and he's like, "What is your worth, Worth?" And he's like, "Blah blah blah." For all it's worth. No, I, I did. Li- I did like. I, I, now that I know that, that's even even cooler. You find Holloway comes in. She's a doctor, and eventually they meet up with this old guy who's called Wren, <laughs> and he the best character. He, yes. I, I, he, sadly, spoilers. He gets killed off way too soon in this movie, and uh, I did not. But like it's that. kind. Of, I, I, yeah. I mean, I really like the character. I mean, he's at the time. I think when I saw it, he was the only actor I had seen in anything else. Since then, the guy who plays Quentin is in Hedwig and the Angry Inch. But um, the guy who plays Ren is so likable, but it's almost a red herring. Because, like, this guy is like, oh, he's broken out so many of these prisons, and he's so, like, charismatic, and you're like, oh, my God, this guy's such a badass, and he's like, I only let you guys follow me, and as soon as I don't need you, bam, gone. Next room, he's dead. Yes. And shit just got real. (laughs) (laughs) And the way that he dies was pretty brutal. I mean, these traps are not meant for quick, and they're designed to be scary. They're not like just like ooh arrow shoots across the room. No, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's not Indiana Jones like no, yeah one arrow you gotta dodge. Rooms, yeah, yeah, these are death traps is what these are. And once Ren dies, obviously morale drops a lot, and <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they start until they math arguing. until math girl is like oh numbers yeah numbers. They find like I said on each door. They have three sets of three-digit numbers, and uh, they eventually find out somehow that, uh, according to Levin, that prime that if there's a prime number in one of those three sets, the room will be trapped. Please, Dr. Science, explain what the whole mathematics of the rooms are. Did you get it? Well, now I'm actually not sure if there's a, uh, a legitimacy to the math that they use for these rooms or if they just or if they just kind of use uh that as a uh, I mean you know there, there there's a lot of big words and big concepts in there it's really easy to kind of pull the wool over the average watcher uh, including me a couple of beers in 
uh, <laughs> <laughs> over their eyes and, uh, you know, just kind of make you up some of these buck. concepts and, uh, and, and things like that. Now, there very well might be something to it, but given the complexity of the cube and the math of the cube, I think that would be almost a study in itself. You know what I mean? Because there's, there's a lot of yeah, different facets I, I, to it. Because it's the it's not just prime numbers. It's are the numbers it's the a power factor of, of a prime a yeah, power factor power of a prime factor. number. And it's just like I have no fucking it, clue what that means. And I Kazan, looked it up they, on Wikipedia they find and out, I still don't know what it means. Well, Kazan, well, one Levin spits it out like she knows it, and it's like, bitch, if you knew that, like, oh, she's like, oh my so bad, we, it was the yeah. power of primes. It was that other math that I Whoops. didn't know. Now that the tard <laughs> no, can say it. And then yeah. every time when he gets it and they get a room, he's just like, two, two, three. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think he knows either. <laughs> he he says two, two, three for hand. every... Yes. Yeah. When, when Kazan comes into play, he falls through the ceiling because uh, the only... They get to a dead end where they check all the other doors and everything's trapped or everything has a prime number in it except for the roof. Yeah, you hear someone beating it up on top. <laughs> he climbs to the top, he opens the door, and uh, this is where Kazan falls through, the idiot savant, who at first you only think is an idiot. and uh, Or, sorry, the mentally handicapped. He's not really stupid, he's retarded. But, uh, How rude of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There goes our demographic. Now, yeah, Man, remember, remember Brooklyn Dyke from the Freddy's Dead episode? Oh, yeah. You were killing all of the audiences. <laughs> I even heard about that one. <laughs> yeah, ah, I regret nothing. But uh, Kazan comes in, and immediately he—you can tell he's off because he's talking about the colors of the room, and and the colors. Or of the he's room. an interior designer, one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, uh, rad! Mm-mm. Eventually, she's talking about they're going off about the powers of prime. This is after they find the mistake, and he just rattles off the number. He's like three. Three and she's like, "That's right." And they find out that <laughs> he's the math guy. It's why he's here, and it all makes sense again for a temporary part. You know, for well, temporary. if I can, if if I can plug my uh, my new rock band called The Powers of Prime, we got a show coming up this Saturday. Yeah, down and, uh, at the uh, the bar. Our hit song, Seventeen Bags of Gumdrops." <laughs> yes, <laughs> because we are Powers of Prime. <laughs> Because Kazan works for gumdrops, he is a trained. <laughs> he is he a is trained. A whore. He is a slave to the gumdrop. Science. He's a science experiment trained with gumdrops, and you feel kind of bad for him in a lot of Cause ways. Because he ain't getting no gumdrops. No, the guy who promises yeah. twenty-seven bag of gumdrops <laughs> ceases to be by the end of the time. Yeah. Because he's like, gumdrop, every time he says it, he's like, I'll give you a whole bag of gumdrops. He's like, 17 bags. You're up to 17 bags. <laughs> <laughs> I better get my fucking gumdrops. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm sure that's the first thing he wanted uh, <laughs> when he was finished. But uh, So as we start going through these rooms and we get these montages and we start hearing their thoughts and the movie, for my biggest complaint tries to be artsy when it doesn't need to be. This is what you'll hear. And it sounds like weird Skinamax like porno music like wow wow. 
And like Quentin, we hear a voiceover of Quentin like sweet talking Levin. Ugh, that was gross. She's like, oh my god, I think I'm gonna miss breakfast. He's like, yeah, baby, but I'm gonna be home in time for dinner. <laughs> so the filming process itself is pretty cool, and I'm gonna take a second to explain that they only had the budget to build one of these rooms. Which, uh, I can't remember. What did they say the dimensions of the rooms were? 14 by 14. 14. Yeah, 14 cubed. And uh, I I assume they really did build them 14 by 14 by 14. But these panels, they built them out of all these panels, and it's a perfect square or perfect cube. And the panels look like uh, like a motherboard. They just look like electric. I don't know what you call it. Fucking... Oh, motherboard, let's call it that. Sure. And what they did was they had these slide-in panels with these designs with the different colors. And they had uh, six different colors. And they would actually, due to to how long it took to change these out and the fact they only had one room, they filmed all the scenes of one color, and then they changed the color and filmed all the scenes of that color. Well, so this cool. was not filmed I... even closely to being in order. It was, you know, so these actors had to really trust what was going on because, I mean, I've I've been on sets and I've been in a really shitty movie, and when you don't know what's going on, uh, it, it doesn't make for a very convincing... Yeah, uh, but Mike, that's a lot of times it's because of all the roofies they've given you because the anal sex goes much smoother on those movie sets yes. if, you are, if you're doped up. He's got a point. Uh, <laughs> I always thought the characters looked like they were inside uh, the Lament, the um, the Hellraiser box. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if there's any any correlation to that parallels. But yeah. Well, I don't know. This <laughs> is <laughs> yeah, that noise at least maybe. I'm gonna punch you. <laughs> I'm gonna go to Chicago and punch you in the face. I'm getting my mega bus ticket right now. <laughs> Fourteen dollars to punch you in the, the face. The cube is a headless blunder moving under the illusion of a master plan. Yes, that's what the cube is. Yeah, that that whole scene right there, that just kind of uh, that was kind of the my mind blown uh, scene for me when he just kind of starts uh, talking about you know they built this thing they didn't know what they were doing and. Well, now it's here. They got to use it, or they can't keep it. And it was just like, whoa! <laughs> they lost the That's receipt. That's how things really work thing. in government. That's crazy. <laughs> you know, it's it's like the plumbing in your house. If you don't keep using it, it's just gonna seize up and well, dry rot. You know. I I love that scene, and I love um, that line. That's why I wrote it down. But I I don't know if I believe the connecting that the other characters now definitely know that worth has more to do with this place just because he said that well he explains who he is well he He's eventually like, does i designed after the quentin's outer box like, i designed the well, quentin's like box. yeah but that's only after quentin's like ha i knew it you had more to do with this okay and it's like what all he did was make a very like passive agnostic like god is dead kind of comment right but yes he designed the outer shell and uh kind of like one hand doesn't know what the other hand's doing. He was contracted from a contractor, and he he knows that other people worked on it. It was a big payday. 
and then we find out that he's only known for a little bit that they were putting people into it. Well, no, see, I think... Which I don't know how he would have found that that's out. That's the one bit of this movie that's always stuck with me, is because I've seen a lot of bad horror movies. I've seen a lot of great horror movies. But especially with the, the badder ones, usually nine times out of thing, the thing that kills the movie is they try to explain what's going on. Yes. Which is the worst thing you can do when you have something that fucked up going on. That's what I loved about, even, even though his monologue may have been poorly written, the the thought process behind it and what he's trying to convey is what's stimulating. It's like, look, no, this shit just happened. Like, there doesn't need to be a reason of why. Like, I, I agree. Like, somebody just came along and said, well, shit, we got to do something with this. Let's put people in it. You know, because all of these, all of these people are a different side of what the human behavior would be. Like, Holloway is the skeptic and... Um, you know, um, Levin is just like the scared little pup that just wants to go home, and Worth is yeah. the one. Who Holloway just is like give a, a conspiracy shit. theorist. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, Holloway. No, Worth, is, Holloway does, is like Worth a doesn't give a shit. Theorist. Holloway is uh, is a conspiracy. Hippie. She's a conspiracist theorist. Yeah. yeah, she thinks Big Brother's up. You know, like or aliens. That, you know, she's paranoid. Yeah, aliens. Yes, you know, CSI. Right. But I mean, uh, you know, it's CIA. It's a beautiful thought of like especially with a horror movie of this of this style, which is just a uh it's an all out thrill ride, like that's all it is. You know, there's really no character development. Well, I guess there's some character development, but uh the majority of the characters they're they're all flat characters that make one round character or one person, you know. So having sure. that- See, I think I think the characters are very strong though, but then maybe that's because of the acting. That might not be because of the writing. But I definitely get a, a sense of individualism that's different from, like, your run-of-the-mill Friday the 13th or Halloween movie. Like, I, I don't feel like we're just waiting, or disaster movie, kind of like 2012 or the um, oh, fucking boat that flips upside down. Any disaster movie, I feel Poseidon. like... Poseidon... Something yeah, like Poseidon, Poseidon Adventure. Ernest, yeah. Ernest Borgnine in Poseidon Adventure. Yes. <laughs> Shelley Winters swimming. Um, Gene Hackman. But I, I feel like that's no, what makes this Ernest movie Borgnine. better, is that the the acting and the characters are more developed. And it's not like, okay, I gotta go every ten minutes until I lose one of these people. Like when Quentin drops Holloway out the door. Like it's it's easier to see now that little exchange between Worth and her um, is kind of like her send off. Like once you've already seen the movie, but the first time I saw it, I never would have thought he was going to drop her ass out that window. Oh, I did. <laughs> oh yeah, I most certainly did. <laughs> that whole build up with him is the whole build up with Quentin from being that you know that leader, that hero to snapping. Like you see bits and pieces of those breadcrumbs the entire movie. Oh no, no, I, I, I agree to that. But the reason why he doesn't kill Worth first is because Worth is pretty apathetic at the beginning, and he feels like Worth might be worth more to him in the long run because he does have existing knowledge. And Holloway's the one that's really butting heads with him, really calling him out on his shit. Yeah, right. he doesn't he have thinks, a lot of yeah, lines. Holloway's either. expendable. So even even the audience isn't paying attention to Worth through the half the first half of the movie because he's quiet. He has no lines really. Yeah, yeah, he's he's just just following the pack. Just right, you just dismiss him just because he doesn't care. Because you know, it, when you find out when you find out what he had to say, 
you realize he's been carrying that the whole time. Like, oh shit, this. Oh, I, <laughs> how did I not see my this ass? coming? Yeah, he's like, I. They're they're gonna be against me as soon as I speak up, and I know, <laughs> I know kind of what this is, and and I know that we're fucked, and that's basically his mentality. Do you think he ran? Do you think he ran the uh, the idea of saying that out loud in his head, and he had two different versions? One where they're extremely pissed <laughs> they're, and beating the shit out, and no the other one they're like, "Yay, worth, 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 worth." Glad you're here. And they hey guys, put him up on no his way shoulders. Out of here. There is no way out of here. And then unbuttons his pants. Whoa. <laughs> well, what movie did you watch? <laughs> pubed. Pubed. Dirty pubed. Um, I'm going through the script right now, and there's little things, like good things and bad things I'm seeing. One of the things that um, I want to see what you guys thought, when they're trying to establish a continuity of time, of how long they've been in there, and like, uh, Levin says, how long have we been in here? And Quentin says, nine, ten hours. And then, then uh, Holloway asks, five, how do you know? He says, five, five o'clock, o'clock shadow. Global. Last thing I remember doing is shaving. And, My balls. And and I looked, I've looked online uh, uh, since I watched the movie, since we decided to do this, and I was trying to find somebody, some sort of uh, math major who would take this movie on as maybe like, uh, you know, a project, like a student project. And no one really yeah, yeah. touches it that much. Because uh, I've I've seen where it says that the whole cube itself is 26 by 26 by 26. So it's 26 cubes high, wide, and deep. But then there's that 27th cube as the bridge? As the bridge. That's the outer. And it's sort of like the connector to the outside shell. So 26. And I don't understand that either. I mean, I'm really bad at math, though, anyway. So this this thing is only 364 feet tall but there's a scene where they have holloway outside and you see like you know yeah that's way bigger than that it it looked way more massive to me like they couldn't see the sides at all but if it's only 300 feet you know less than 400 feet long they should have been able to see the sides well i mean not necessarily if this because there is an outer shell this thing's sitting in a giant building so it's just pitch right. black. Yeah, so, like I mean, a giant warehouse. On, on on the synopsis, it says 434 feet across. So if it's just pitch black in there, that would just fall off. You could barely see. I mean, they could make it as dark as, you know, you can't see the hand in front of your face. Right. But it gave me the illusion that this thing was just massive. The CGI, I mean, the CGI for that scene, it's a little overdone. Well, it's um, 90s CGI. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, I do like and I appreciate the kind of throwaway line so that you don't you're not sitting there wondering why they don't do this is Quentin says, well, let's start making our way to the bottom and we can get out there. And they say, well, based on where we think we are now, that would take a really long time. So like they nix that idea. Sure. Because, yeah, that would have been my first thought once you figure out how big the thing is, is let's get to the bottom and walk around. Right. But then it's the idea of. Yeah, now they're in an even bigger cube, so they're still in a prison, just in a much bigger prison. Okay, well, um, you know, Holloway is dropped out the out the side by uh, Quentin, and then that's when things... Why did, my thing is, like, why didn't they tie that off to one of the ladder rungs? Why are they all holding it, and how heavy is she that five people or four people holding it 
Like can barely, they're like all gripping. Well, like how barely, long have they? Go, how long have they gone without eating or drinking? Got the fatigue. True. Yeah, yeah. Another fatigue. reason why to tie it. Dehydration well, itself is yeah. probably their biggest. You know, they still the should have wrapped. They still should have wrapped it around the construction itself, but then makes it a little harder to drop a bitch's ass. I'm surprised nobody drank their piss in this whole movie. I'm, kudos to them for doing that. Well, it's because Bear Grylls wasn't well, in this movie. I think I think once Holloway is falls, uh, I believe that they you know uh, were I think it's worth he he already knows she he dropped her and and that's when they start taking sides like there's an actual split and they're fighting over Levin because they believe that she is the key at least Quentin does I don't think Quentin is convinced with the Kazan thing. He he just thinks he's you know just in the way he's slowing him down, and then he hates Worth because yeah. they're they're you know polar opposites, and so you know they decide to rest for a while, and then Quentin while they're resting, Quentin grabs Levin and just starts running with her, you know basically trying to get away from the other two, you know survival. She's a heavy sleeper. Anybody picks me up and cradles me in their arms and carries me through a door, I'm gonna wake up. And she wasn't even like apprehensive about it, like because she did wake up eventually, and they do the whole montage where he's like convincing her, and she's like still going prime, not prime. Okay, we can go through this. Like if I was her, I'd be like, no, 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 we're gonna wait. She's almost in like a lucid state, like she's so worn out, she's so fatigued. That she's just like, yeah, I think that's it, you know. And then finally she snaps, says, look, I, I can't do this any faster. Because he's worried that as soon as they wake up and find out they're gone, they're going to try to tail them. And hey, they do. I think they left us. We got to go get them, guys. <laughs> they he owes do. me gumdrops. <laughs> that guy owes me 1,400 bags of gumdrops. And uh, somehow, I can't remember exactly, but they find out that these are like, uh, I think Cortesian. they're called cartoons. Cartesian coordinates, yeah. Doctor Science. Cartesian, Cartesian coordinates. Basically, it just means points on a, uh, well, points on a graph. You know how they uh, separated by a comma, like in your regular x y plane. Like you got point five comma four, so it's five over on the x, four up on the y. That's basically all that means. And the reason there's three is because you've yeah. got the three axes of movement. You know, three dimensions, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that you find out the three sets of numbers are x, y, and z. And the reason they question that is Zed, because uh, Worth and Kazan catch up, and they they have this big uh, this big fight, and then Quentin just throws Worth through the floor like, oh, you want to you want to go with us here? Test this room and throws him through <laughs> the bottom one, and they find out that the body of Wren is laying there, and they apparently had been going in circles. And that's when she realizes, oh, these are coordinates on a grid. The room moves, yeah. And the rooms are moving. And I w- I all I want to say is I think that's a great reveal, seeing Ren yes. and that laughing and stuff. I yes. would have just really liked to have seen it that um, we see a scene earlier instead of Kazan pissing in a room. He, like, takes a dookie in one of the corners. <laughs> and like, <laughs> and they're like, What's that smell? Yeah, like, oh, this room has a gas odor in it. Like, that's what's killing him. Like, oh, no, it's Kazan shit. Kazan was here. Gumdrops make me poop. (laughs) (laughs) Quick poops. Poop drops. That poop is brown. (laughs) (laughs) This poop is brown. (laughs) I want to go back to the the green poop. 
<laughs> Why do you have green poop? And and the culmination at the end is uh, they find out that the room that they're in is like two moves away from being back to the beginning. And, and even worse, that if they would have stayed in the first room where Worth... Quentin makes a line earlier on, and this has to be foreshadowing. He says, why didn't you just lay down and die and just stay in one room? If they'd have done what Worth was doing at the beginning of the movie when Quentin finds him, just yeah. laying in that room, they would have been at the bridge. My confusion with that whole little bit is, did everyone else start in that room? And if they did, why didn't they wake up Worth? <laughs> or were they dropped in all different rooms? I thought that all they different all rooms. dropped in all different rooms. So if they would have started where Worth was left, right? then yes, that would work. But, you know, that argument was completely coincidental. Um, uh, Quentin goes batshit crazy for some reason. I don't know why. Um, do, because they find out, oh, yeah, well... We're all gonna get out now. It's gonna we're gonna make it. And then Quentin's like, it's "No, time there, for can, bitches to die. there can be only one Highlander." And he just like he can be the only one. He fucking kills uh, Worth. So which apparently now you can rip shit off the walls because this was made from a Hobby Lobby. Or no, he doesn't kill Worth. I'm sorry, Worth. I think kills Quentin, doesn't he? Right. We well, he no, smashes no, no, no. he sm- Quentin... smashes Quentin's head in the door. Uh, to yeah. get away. Yeah, Worth Worth traps Quentin yeah, with the head and tells the rest to run. Yeah, he kills And then it goes Quentin on the montage Levin. where they're going through all the rooms. That's right. Yeah, yeah Quentin and then you don't see Levin Quentin again until the they get ready to go out the, the bridge. And then he comes up behind and takes the handle and stabs it through Levin's chest. Ugh. Now, okay, again, I, I, I'm nitpicking. And they had to have something that he could use to kill the other person with. I would have rather seen him just come up behind Eleven and just snap her neck instead of now that you can start taking things off from inside the room because then why were they worrying about their boots running out of boots and stuff? They could just take a handle from each one of the doors. And throw it, yeah. 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 I think it was more of just a shock factor at the end. to. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty cool death scene. To reveal Quentin is not dead. Yeah, I mean, I've never actually questioned it until just now and us talking about it. Because, I mean, it ultimately works, and it's a sweet-ass ending. But so where? what do you guys think happens? The door opens, and only um, Gumdrop Boy gets to leave, and it's yeah. It's, it's just a white, a white wash. It's like blinding white light. You don't see. It's almost like you said. It could be... It could be... Um, the gates of heaven? It could be the gates of heaven. You know, people can interpret that. Um, I think, personally, that it was some sort of big, crazy experiment uh japanese game show yeah <laughs> the running man oh you won you won big you win big bag of gumdrop <laughs> but i can definitely see the the philosophical big picture like i said i mean all these characters they have different different schools of they come from different schools of thought and and it's and it's just a i i enjoy it not knowing what happens to him I like just the, uh, I like, I enjoy the stories that are, okay, this happens now. There's no reason, it's just you're watching them from start to finish, and and that's what happened to them. Yeah, it's great character stories. It's just yeah. they happen to be in a really cool situation. Very cool situation. 
So, Nick Prince, what do you think happens to Gumdrop Wonder after he goes through the hallway? I mean, again, I go back on that it was just a science, psychological experiment. I mean, I would be even more, to make it even stranger, is, like, maybe he wasn't even handicapped to begin with. Like, he just, like, <laughs> unusual suspects at the end, he just suddenly, <laughs> he just starts walking so normal. So Gumdrop was Kaiser just, Like, he's... <laughs> yes. He still really he loves Kaiser gumdrops, Soze. though. He faked it. Like, maybe he Kaiser was one of the main Soze. main technicians or whatever. And he was yeah, the, he the was lead doctor notes. or whatnot. He was taking yeah, notes on all He of was them. in there to have a first-person experience with the rest of them. And nobody's going to see how many times they'd let... He knew to the see how many time times they'd let him piss rooms. in a corner. Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. how he knew. Yeah, that's the, how he knew. The factors he didn't, of the room so He didn't actually... Yeah, he already knew him. Yeah, he didn't know the factor. He just already knew. That's a great well, Yeah, yeah. So maybe he was sitting in there and he realized, okay, these guys are struggling here, so let me just throw this out. Three... And, and eventually they, they and like, Levin's jumping right, on okay. any bandwagon anyway. She's right, like, yeah. "Yeah, math, that sure." He's like, "What an idiot!" All right, let me feed Eric, you, baby. What birds. are your thoughts? Um, I mean, I like that theory. That's a good one. Uh, honestly, I think he just stepped out into the desert somewhere in like, you know, New Gandhi or something, and that's just you know, he comes up to the top and he just starts walking away in the desert. That's just, do you think there's a big brother, or do you think it was a forgotten experiment? That would have been a cool ending, too. Like he, It's like this little, um, I don't know, a power hub or something with one door, and he walks out of the door, and it's just like desert everywhere in all directions, and he's just like, oh. Yeah, you don't see anything. <laughs> like, they do the wide shot of the, of the entire desert, yeah. you know, kind of sweeping by, and he just starts walking. He's just like a little pinpoint. Walking like southern yeah, Australia, because it, it does a couple crazy. of things. You don't get the whole like. I like the idea of him being placed in there, but then again, that's such a. Uh, it's kind of such a cheap cop out, and it's like, oh, that guy, you know. And you, I don't know. I know I've never been a big fan of those endings. You don't need that, right? Because yeah, of the movie. Exactly. I mean, if you do that, it's like, why did you do that? You didn't need that. What? But and like we all the, agree, the, if you do the desert ending, and he comes up, and he's you know out of a hatch or something, and he's looking around, he's a desert, and he just starts walking. It's just a <laughs> you know, slow pull out of him walking in the desert. It could be anything. It could be like, well, where the fuck is he? Like, is he on Earth? Is he not on Earth? Yeah. Yeah. Because one of the original, and then he gets nailed by a jeep driving by. Who yeah, was like responsible? One of the original scripts. Uh, one of the drafts was they were going to leave alien food. And like different alien foods in some of the rooms, and they took it out because they're hmm. like, "Oh, well, that would give it away. That would give away exactly what's going on." And it's like, "Well, yeah, like you've got this perfect little, you know, con- contained movie." Don't explain it. Yeah, at this contained like event that's happening. It's like, don't you know, the the suspense and the this exactly what we're doing is why the, this movie's made the way it is. Dr. Science, what's what's your answer for the white light? Where does he go from there? Dr. Science. Like everybody's been saying, there there definitely is that point of the allegory. Uh, I think that's one of the... For me, I thought that was one of the biggest reasons they put it in there, the way they did with that blinding white light, was to have kind of this overarching allegory of the story. I don't think that takes anything away from it being a, a psychological experiment or you know, this useless building that they had to make a use for or anything like that. I think it could be a couple of different things. It could even just be him going from this fairly dark cube into a pretty well-lit hallway. Because, you know, like, if you're if you're in a dark room and you step out in the sunlight, damn, I can't see shit. Right. It could just <laughs> it could have just been some, some fluorescent lights in a hallway, you know? Or he could yeah, be walking true. into another cube. 
Just that, that would be amazing. That would have Cubeception. Oh my god, I would so see that. Well, it would be great too because he's the because he the would hyper we cube. wouldn't we wouldn't see any um any reaction though from him, right? Like he probably right. wouldn't get upset. He would walk from one cube to the next and just be like, "Okay, next cube." <laughs> I want to go back to the green room. But as someone just said, hypercube. The sequel, if you've seen it, of course it tries to do what all sequels do, is to up the ante. What do the rooms do? One room is a time and space room, which is real weird, where a couple, uh, two people have sex and then they turn into skeletons. Because it ages them so fast, and it's very weird. And there is an ending. We do see the character come through the white hallway and the, the white light and see where she ends up. And she keeps on walking at the end, and she gets out... And she's walking in like this, um, this tracked lake, and she walks into this. Basically, it looks like on the other side of that white hallway is an air airplane hangar, and there's this black ops team with guns, and they just shoot her, and then they walk away, and then it's roll credits. Well, what's weird about Hypercube, uh, which I recommend watching all three of these, even if they're not all the best. Oh I mean, yeah, Cube is obviously by far the best movie. But all three of them are entertaining. I, I mean, Hypercube's cool because it does have the time factor. It they 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 explain the cube more. They call it. I think they refer to it as a tesseract. So it's like fourth dimensional, and yeah. and it's cool when she escapes the cube, Hypercube, at the end because she goes through like this gel stuff, like this water, mm-hmm. this medium, uh, almost like an ether, and and I think that one's cool too. Like the concepts they did. Now the director Vincenzo Natali. He sold the rights to Cube after the first one, and he tastefully decides not to talk about the other two because they're not his work. But uh, I think he probably could have done a better job on the, um, I don't know, some of the choices with them, maybe. But Well, I mean, it's I think it's the age-old story of a movie that is so big it spawns sequels, kind of like what we talk about for Candyman, or any horror movie that the first installment has a very big vision of what it can be and it's wrapped up in a nice bow like nightmare on elm street the first one or the first candy man those both are just individual movies that wes craven wasn't thinking for nightmare on elm street that this should spawn sequels now bob shea the producer sure. did and i think it's when cube got big people were like man this is kind of i mean this was before saw which i mean i think that's what hypercube is very much like is a saw sequel we can put six new people that have interesting personalities and weird different torture deaths and make people care i i i cannot recommend hypercube i think you should watch it once but i don't know if you should buy it no i mean now if there was like a box set kind of thing where all three were in it i'd i'd pay the extra 10 15 bucks or whatever for all three together especially if there was commentary on all of them um, uh, I'm not sure. I own all three, but I bought them individually. So did the I. The only one that I, I, I think Cube Zero is worth owning. I think that one's interesting because you get a little bit more story. But well, again, the, nothing even holds close to the candle of the first one. About Cube Zero, Cube Zero, like we said, is a prequel. So the traps are more brutal. It's almost like a like the difference between world war one and and iraqi freedom you know what i mean like the, the yeah. technologies it's primal like, are primal like cubes a cube zero i believe there's a scene where they're just like blow torches come out of the walls or something and everything's like cat like iron or stainless steel and it's like mm-hmm. riveted riveted steel it looks 
like it's uh, rusted military industrial uh uh, less it's, it's got a steam. It's got a steampunk look to it. Yes, steampunk. There you go. That's a better word yeah. for it. Um, but I would recommend all three. Uh, have you guys all seen the other two? I have not. I haven't seen either one of the other two. Hunter, you. I know you've seen all of them, right? I got all of them. Yeah. Oh, you haven't watched them? Oh yeah, yeah. I watch them all the time. Actually. Oh. Oh. oh okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you recommend anybody who like? You watch Cube, do you say, watch the other two, but don't expect to get the same feeling, or do you think they are good sequels? Well, no, I think I think Hypercube's got a lot of problems. Um, again, mainly because it goes against the, the original rules of you know, Cube. I mean, they, the, especially in Cube, uh, which I don't know if we touched on, but there there's a, there's a whole scene where uh, the characters are trying to figure out the who, the what, the where, and they single in on things that they have and things that they don't have. Like Eleven's got her glasses because they, they whoever, whatever, right. wanted to make sure that she could read, she could, you know, that she could see the numbers because she was the one who was going to give them hope to to keep moving rather than just sit and die in in a single room. Right, and that's in the second movie. They all are just wearing normal whatever clothes they were wearing like in everyday life. Right, they're not uniform. Right, yeah. So that kind of takes away from it. It's. Um, the movie's really bright, and what I mean is, like, you know, with Cube, it's, you know, the the colors are very dim, the corners are very dark, and Hypercube, everything's really, it's, like, real shiny, it's real plasticky, the kind of space interior, really bright uh, sci-fi. It's cheap. I don't know if it's, it's cheap. It's cheap, and they're, like... It's just a different style. Well, I mean, it's cheap looking. Yeah. And, like, they do try to do a lot more CGI stuff. Yeah. And um, it's... It's but not far enough along. Well, I I think you should use practical effects as much as you can anyway. Right. Yes. But hypercube poof. But I mean there's it's the the movie was it's it's a different kind of vein because like there's multiple endings. Um there's deleted scenes of different kinds of endings where the main ending of her coming through and then them just gunning her down. There's other ones where uh she's revealed that she's some sort of uh special ops FBI CIA NSA kind of undercover agent and she's trying to get um this mass hacker who happened to be in the cube uh to uh, admit to the crimes that they committed um and it it plays off more like it was a virtual reality that didn't physically exist i don't know it's 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 too confusing, but with- sounds bad. And that was yeah. that ether. That was that ether stuff she stepped through. Because yeah, you question whether or not that was reality, or if it was if it was be- this other dimension, almost like it was Area Fifty One that she was walking out of the hangar or something. Right. Exactly. Well, uh-huh. I think Doctor Science. I think a hypercube is Doctor Science said for the first one with the mathematics. It's not a huge enough leap for even if they are pulling the wool over our eyes, we kind of buy it and we believe it because they sell it. Hypercube, when they say the stuff it's dealing like space and time and dimensions and stuff, it's like, no, you're making this way too complicated and then it needs to be. Right, which, going to Cube Zero, it's uh, I think it does a perfect job of being a prequel because it explains everything of what's going on, you know? Well, for the most part, anyway, because, you know, like, Cube Zero explains that they're putting these people... Uh, into the cube to as a kind of rehabilitation. Um, it was a form of rather than taking a really long prison sentence, uh, if they could make it through the cube, um, then they would be granted their 
you know, their freedom kind of in a way because there's even a um, there's a turnabout on that as well. But like, I think if you're going to watch the series, you have to, or if you're going to watch the trilogy, you have to watch it in order that they were released. You have to watch Cube, you have to watch Hypercube, and then you have to watch Cube Zero. I agree. You'll appreciate Cube Zero so much more after watching Hypercube. Well, I think yes. you'll respect the series right. as a whole as well. You know, like the Hypercube yeah. seems like a necessary evil. You're a big fan of the uh, Saw series, Hunter. Do you know if the Cube movies were an inspiration for them at all? No, the the inspiration, well, at least from what I was reading uh, from those ri- the writers and directors, it's it was mainly just slasher films. Uh, they were really big in the okay. Japanese, uh, kind of those Japanese horror flicks where it really is all just weird, fucked up voodoo. And it just happens, you know, like there's mass killings, people committing suicide, and you come to find out it's a group of four-year-olds who are in charge of it. Like, stupid shit like that. Like, they were into that stuff. Hmm. And that's a real movie. It's called Suicide Train. So, <laughs> it's really bad. Dude. It's a really bad yeah, movie. Yeah, speaking of bad movies, speaking of bad movies, uh, Dr. Science and I, we we are just masochistic by nature when it comes to movies. And he actually pointed this out. We tried to watch this other movie. I had this pack of fifteen movies. You know, you know how good movie, how good those could Oof. be. And uh, <laughs> one of them was called Vampire Conspiracy, which was also a Canadian movie, and it came out in two thousand five. And uh, Doctor Science pointed it out that uh, that it had correlations with Cube. And we watched it right after we watched Cube. And uh, Doctor S, you want to talk about that movie? No, I never want to talk about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Come on, really want to talk about that movie. this is not <laughs> we what watched, we rehearsed. We watched it one. Show and us a half on the doll where he touched you. <laughs> one and a half times we watched that movie because the first time we just couldn't do it, and uh, the second time, well, the only reason we watched it the second time is because we watched Cube, and after we watched Cube, I went, "Hey, wait a minute, that vampire movie where they leave a room and you know they're in the same room. I wonder if that's supposed to be like Cube." And, and so then we watched it again. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and it was terrible. I mean, they're all in these jumpsuits, but the jumpsuits don't even match. Uh, they have these, The one lady's know, wearing scrubs. Over-the-top characters who all are supposed to have their niche. And it's one freaking, like, gray hallway. Like, they just basically put up drywall with a hallway leading off set, and it was gray. And they just walk in a circle basically and they act like it's different rooms and uh it is cheap as hell and terrible and you get this guy who's supposed to be like the head vampire and he's wearing this yeah the suit doesn't even fit suit that's like three sizes too big for him so he's like like a little kid in this suit and uh i recommend if you Really have nothing else to do at all to watch <laughs> vampire needles conspiracy. in my eyes or watch yeah vampire conspiracy Ugh. yeah because I think that only has a runtime of like a uh, ninety minutes but holy crap Ooh, that feels, feels longer than that oh God, oh yeah. yeah it it is torture and uh, well but, thank you for picking a good movie because I know the first two movies you guys did on Dimension B I just listened to the Guardians of the uh, Ab- Abacrets or Abiaxis or fucking whatever it's called. Abraxis. 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 There you go. Guardian, Guardian of, of my the dick cheese or something. <laughs> um, I am so glad you picked Cube for the crossover. 
Well, it's a '90s movie and it's good, and and not all B movies are bad. That's you know that's the thing is I like I like bad movies because as you know as someone who likes to critique movies, um, it, it it I think sometimes seeing somebody's failure teaches you more than seeing someone's success. The sweet ain't as sweet without the bitter. Yeah, if you like, if you see, oh wow, that didn't work at all. You could then think, is there a way that could have worked? Uh, if not, then you know that. <laughs> so, how many of those things occurred in Abraxas, Guardians of the Dick Cheese? Oh God, that movie. No, that movie is beautiful. That movie is beautiful. <laughs> you really, Man. you need to watch it. You need to watch it. It's it's it is, apparently I can. It's on YouTube, right? Yeah, oh, it's on it's YouTube. on, it's on it's Dimension B too. No. I put the whole movie on our site because it's oh, public that's right. domain. Yeah, I forgot so about that. You can watch it on our site and uh, oh. and then and then listen to that. And, but all right, uh, you guys. Oh, I know you guys usually do quotes. Anybody take the time to think of a favorite quote? I already said mine. The one quote uh, that I liked was from uh, Ran or Reness or whatever it was. It's Ran, I think, because it's the Ran. Ran. Yeah, Ren, the Ren, like the bird. yeah. Uh, which I thought kind of really like summed up the whole like all the characters. It says, um, "No more talking, no more guessing. Don't even think about nothing that's not right in front of you. That's the real challenge. You got to save yourselves from yourselves." So I thought because a lot of this movie is them overcoming themselves to get out of the sure. room. So, Ricky, Ren. what was yours? Uh, mine was the blunder. The um Sorry, I already threw away the paper. Mine was, uh, it's a headless blunder moving under the illusion of a master plan. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Eric, did you have one? Uh, gumdrops come in bags. <laughs> yes. Which, uh, yes. Which is just like the perfect line after, you know, he's like, I- I'll give I'll you, get a, you a, gum, a whole a, box of Yeah, I'll give you a box of gumdrops <laughs> for every correct answer. And he's like, gumdrops come in bags. I was like, gumdrops come in bags. Like, you take whatever kind of gumdrops I give you. Yes. Yeah, and also I've seen you like, go to the movies. You get gumdrops in boxes. I mean, they're in a bag inside the box. But my favorite, my favorite line is also gumdrop related, Boom. and it's when he says, <laughs> "He says, okay, okay, we need another one." He's like seventeen bags of gumdrops. Like he, he's keeping count while doing all this complex math for these people. How m- he's getting paid at the end of this? Either way, so. <laughs> I'm getting paid. <laughs> Doctor S, anything? I want to go back to the blue room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's three gumdrop quotes. I think Kazan is definitely Kazan's the best character I think in the movie. Uh, uh he was my favorite. I don't know. Every time he talked it was just, you know, it lightened the whole mood and and uh, uh you know, from the one scene where they're trying to get through a trap room, they realize they're at a dead end and they're trying to get through the trap room. Uh it's a sound activated one. Yeah. And they have to actually oh. climb through the ceiling, down through the floor, I think. Or mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, they find out it's sound activated because it goes, huh? And then the whole room fills with spikes. <laughs> well, that's and, actually, and uh, that's a pretty interesting scene because it right then you're splitting the audience because it's like he gets his foot caught on one of the, uh, the 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 turning blades for the door at the bottom, and it's like. They do that close up, and he's just you know flexing his toes, like, and it splits the audience. Like, are you like God, son of a bitch, man? Just leave him, or are you that guy like fucking really? Come on, goofball, like move your leg. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> and he he wants to scream. <laughs> he wants to go, ah, but he like holds it in in the suspense. I mean, Not was, uh, until <laughs> until Quentin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's like, I'll kill that guy. He's racist and autistic. <laughs> <laughs> he had it out. I don't before. like black gumdrops. <laughs> I don't like Negro gumdrops. <laughs> I want to go back to the white room. <laughs> white only in the white room. Wow. Get out of here, Negro. Yep. Ah. We did it. We did it. We and, went there. And we were banned for life. <laughs> From life. If I, if I can plug, uh, I had a really great opportunity um, this last Friday to do a phone interview with Kevin Eastman, one of the co-creators of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So before uh, our next Real 90 episode airs, after this episode airs on our website, I'll be throwing up the phone interview that I did with Kevin Eastman where he answers some nerdy fan Turtles questions. And he also gives us um, one of our next future picks for a Real 90s movie. He was a really cool dude. He's going to yeah. give you the pick? Yeah, yeah, he gave me the pick. Oh, wow. Cool. What a cool guy. And he also, he also rated it. Yeah. Wow. He said Ninja Turtles. <laughs> all of them. Funny enough, buy them now. And then I said, "We already." Yeah. I was like, "We yeah. already did the first one." And he's like, "Ninja Turtles 2 And I was like, well, "We already did." It. He's like, "Ninja Turtles 3 And I was like, "It sounds like you're pimping this, your shit here hard." I can Ninja do this Turtles all three. This interview's over. <laughs> <laughs> Ninja but before Turtles we do that, garbage. Can we do our pick? Um, can we do our pick for our next real '90s episode on here? And do it. Pimp that. Do it up. Whose turn? Prince. Me. All right. Uh, so the next pick is a like a dramedy. It's 1994, starring Kevin Spacey, Swimming with Sharks. Oh, that was a good one. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Nice. I figured we'd nice. all enjoy that one. So, but and yeah, I can't remember Frank, what our Frank Whaley. No, you didn't like it. Hmm. No, I, I love it. I, oh, I, I own it. So, um, I thought somebody said not really. No, I said Frank Whaley is the other star. Um, yeah. Benicio del Toro is in it at the beginning. My brother hasn't seen it yet, so I'm going to try to try to get him in on that because I think, yeah, I think Swimming with Sharks is awesome. Yeah. And I'll have to say, your guys' show uh, it makes me want to watch these movies, whether you like them or not. Like the Super, <laughs> I'd never even heard oh, of no. it. Yeah. Don't do it. But why I, would you do it? It makes me want to go there and be like, this cannot be as bad as what they say it is. And You're I right. haven't got a it chance is. to watch it yet, but, but <laughs> it's worse. <laughs> Wait a minute. So, yeah, are we going to rate this movie? I know you guys don't really do ratings because I yeah. think from their first two episodes, you go in knowing that they're turd burglars. Well, we we generally rate it with just like something non-existent. Like the first one was how many hush puppies would you give <laughs> Mega Piranha? And then we were supposed to do how many coal meters would you be for right. Abraxas, but I forgot because whatever. How many gumdrops? How many yeah. gumdrops? How many gumdrops would you give this movie? Who's going? Aldo. <laughs> 17 bags. <laughs> That's what I'll give it. I'll give it 17 bags. 17, 17 bags of gumdrop is the most you can give this movie. <laughs> I'll give it uh, 15 bags. 15 bags? Oh, 15 bags. Dr. Science. Yeah, I'll split the difference and go with 16. 16, Bob. 16, Ooh, man. Bold move. Um, I gotta go with 15 bags as well. This one's pretty darn good for me. If it wasn't for some of the douchey cinematography and that terrible 
porn music, it would have 17. I gotta go with Mike. Uh, it's 17, man. 17 plus. 17 I love this bags. movie. 17 bags. Yeah. Bam. All right. This is one of our. This is one of our highest rated. <laughs> I don't know. Even we, though we we the that this rating means nothing. <laughs> the super. Oh my god! You want to talk about a racist movie? The super is so blatantly racist and bad. Yeah. Just pushes trying to push that racist envelope. Even even roots. Gets a little blushed in the cheeks. What about how, how does it stand in comparison as racism to Gran Torino? <laughs> because yeah, but that's like that's excusable old timey racism. I could, I could, my, I actually <laughs> like Nile, so it's okay. I actually like the uh, Clint Eastwood racist outtake video better than the movie itself. Um, I like the movie so much, but I could sit and watch that YouTube video of all his racist scenes back, you know. And they just, <laughs> they crack me up. I, just because it's, you know, it, it's so, con, he's got such conviction when he says it. And it's like, he doesn't even care. He just like, yeah, that's what it is. And Well, it, there's, it's, I, I don't think it, it shocked me as much. Because I've been a Clint Eastwood fan for quite a while. And I remember growing up watching Dirty Harry. Yeah. And there's a great scene where he's first given his new partner who's Hispanic. And the partner's trying to figure out why, how has he gotten the name, how has he been dubbed Dirty Harry? And one of his old partners, he's like, so why do they call him Dirty Harry? And he's like, because Harry don't play favorites. He don't like anyone. He's like, how about uh, Hispanics? He's like, Spix hates them the most. Niggers, <laughs> Wops, uh, Jews, Kikes. Like, and he says all of the slurs. He's like, Harry don't like any of them. Of course, that's not why they call him Dirty Harry. But after that, I was like, there is nothing Clint Eastwood can say that'll... That'll shock you. Yeah. Yeah, it'll shock me. Sweet. Well. Is that, is that it? Yeah. So sad. Uh, I didn't want it to end. Dr. S, do we have a next episode lined up? Do you know? I can't remember. Oh, I thought we picked The Watchers. I thought we wanted to go the with Watchers. another movie that That's right. linked back just called, to Abraxas a little bit. Yeah. It's called Watcher, <laughs> Watchers. It's 1988. It's based on a Dean Koontz novel, and it's about yeah. a genetic experiment on I think a person turns him into like a Sasquatch looking thing it's uh, kind of good kind of bad every time I hear the name Dean Koontz it sounds like a gay porn star yeah that's how he got his start Koontz yeah well that <laughs> wraps it up this movie. so this was a this was fun uh, maybe we should do this you know quarterly like three or four times a year maybe do like a attack uh, of the crossover and and we can do 90s movies every time. There's tons of B-movies in the 90s. So, I'm, Oh, man, we don't have to. We can uh, we can use that as, as an excuse to branch off and not do a 90s movie. Sure. Or a movie with 90 in the title. I don't even know. <laughs> like 1890. Nine. It, cost, it cost $90 to make close enough. <laughs> it's 90 uh, minutes long. There, oh, there you oh, go. Yes. 90 minute so, movies. So, um, Here's a bunch you of talked, I, th- I think, on Piranha, Mega Piranha, that you said it cost them, what, $5 million to make? That That is bullshit. There's no It's way. bullshit because, what, Cube was 350000 Yeah. Well, you think about it, this was uh, right when Sci-Fi went to Seafy, and I think that this was a new idea, and they probably did throw... A lot of money is lying. into promotion. New idea is lie about I'd how much it's cost. Most of the money went into promotion. 
and and then the rest of it was just too made, much. It was just made up. You know, they made it up because a lot of movies do that. They'll boost their numbers to make you think that it's worth more. You know, than it is. So. But either way, but immediately on first glance, you're like, "There's no way oh, this movie cost oh, even a million." Fucking, uh, it's not. What, Tiff- Tiffany had to get paid like a ham sandwich and a diet coke <laughs> for doing the movie. <laughs> I demand, I demand a five dollar foot long. Barry Williams probably had to get like a clip of Marcia Brady naked. Ugh. Like that's all he got paid for it. He already had that. Yeah, that's, that's true. old news. Give me that partridge. Give me that partridge chick. She she is naked in a uh, a movie though. Oh yeah, I can't remember what it's called. She's a country singer in this shitty ass bar. It's a B movie. You guys should watch it. I'll have to note that. Maureen McCormick naked. All right. All right. Well, uh, tune in next time on Real ninety four, swimming with sharks. And tune in next time on Dimension B Dimension for B. Watchers. All right, guys, Watchers. it's been fun. I had a good time. Have a have a good night. See ya. Bye. See ya. All right. Close enough. (laughs) Close enough is right. It'll all work out in the rain.